Hello, and welcome to our weekly message. As we continue to be in a season of grief and mourning, Pastor Myron shares a message titled, God Our Refuge and Strength, from the 46th Psalm. There's an idiom, it's a common idiom, it's really two words, and it came into our parlance, our vernacular, about 75 years ago, and it came from the world of garments and textiles. And back in the day, here was the phrase, it's falling apart at the seams. Not hard to see how that would have been a statement associated with the garment and textile industry. But in time, I mean, it's really been boiled down to two words. Falling apart. So we say things like, my car is falling apart. My house is falling apart. My life is falling apart. Everything has become unraveled. Chances are, and perhaps in recent days... You've said those words, or you've thought them, or you've conveyed a sentiment similar, or you've wrestled with the emotions that are reflected in the statement, my life is falling apart. In the days of Hezekiah, king of Judah, the lives of the Jewish people in Judah, and for that of Hezekiah, well, they were falling apart. The year was 701 B.C., and the dreaded, the feared Assyrian army, the terrorists of the day, if you will, had launched a military campaign that saw the Assyrian army come south through Syria and into Israel and then into Judah. And they had now laid siege, the Assyrian army, to the holy city. They had surrounded the city of Jerusalem. And all the way as they had advanced south, the Assyrian army had left a tsunami of destruction. Entire cities had been destroyed. Outposts had been overrun. The Assyrian army had picked bare everything that they could from every field that they encountered. And that which they didn't touch, they torched. And a scorched earth policy. And it was that Assyrian army in the days of Hezekiah that had surrounded the holy city of Jerusalem. And for Hezekiah and his people, their lives were falling apart. Initially, King Hezekiah tried to buy his way out of his predicament. And so he offered to the king of Assyria, Sennacherib, all kinds of money, vast amounts of silver and gold, in an attempt to appease the guy and have him move on. But history reminds us that that never works with an evil playground bully. Sennacherib was happy to take all of Hezekiah's money and then turn around and demand an unconditional surrender. Meanwhile, the prophet Isaiah was challenging Hezekiah all along the way. And the challenge was this, stop pandering to King Sennacherib. Instead, lead your people in fearing Almighty God. Finally, buoyed by the inspirational messages from Isaiah, King Hezekiah told the king of Assyria to get lost. In the immediate aftermath of that, and Scripture records it, the Assyrian general in charge of the campaign and the siege of Jerusalem, a guy by the name of Rabshakeh, he openly laughed at and mocked the Jewish people within the holy city. Why? Because they were surrounded by the world superpower of the day, and it was over. But that night, Almighty God sent an angel, one. And the angel moved amongst the camp of the Assyrian army, 
and that camp was decimated. And they packed up and moved away, never to be heard from again. And the holy city, the city of Jerusalem, and its people were saved. In response to that, the Spirit of God had this psalm written. It may have been written by Hezekiah. It may have been written by the prophet Isaiah. We're not sure. But this psalm answers this crucial question. What do we do when life is falling apart? That's what the psalm answers. So in your Bible, on your device, I invite you to find Psalm 46, which answers the question, what do we do when life is falling apart? Friends, God willing, next Sunday, we're going to launch into a new fall teaching series called Jesus is Enough. The prophet Isaiah elsewhere tells us that our Lord Jesus is a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He understands intimately our Lord Jesus, our pains and our sufferings. And Jesus is to us our Savior, our Sanctifier, our Healer, and our soon-coming King. And the centrality of Christ is absolutely a core teaching to who we are here at Harvest Hills Alliance Church. Starting next Sunday, God willing, we're going to focus on Jesus as he's unfolded for us in the Gospel of John and trust our Lord Jesus in these days of profound sorrow to be to us everything that we need by his mercy and grace. This morning, our focus is Psalm 46. And in Psalm 46, the psalmist says, this is the question I'm wrestling with. And by God's grace, let's try and find some answers. What do we do when life is falling apart? Friends, when we feel like we're falling apart, first of all, remember that God is our sanctuary. The psalmist says, remember that God is our, God is your sanctuary. Verses 1 to 3, Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Now, following verse 3 in the Hebrew text, there's a selah, which tells us to stop for a moment, reflect and ponder on what it is that we've just read. Well, let's think a little bit about those three verses. What do we do when life is falling apart? And the psalmist says, first of all, this is what we do. We remember God is our sanctuary. I want us to note an unsettling implication of that first verse. God is a refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. The psalmist does not write, just in case you bump up against something. Just in case you experience some challenge or difficulty in your life, remember that God is our refuge and strength. No, there's an assumption in the verse, and the assumption is this, that at some point in life, inevitably, we will find ourselves in trouble. And the word trouble means literally that life is closing in. It's got the picture of a confined space. With respect to the idiom that we started this morning, we would say life is falling apart. The psalmist would reflect in his circumstance, and the Spirit of God would see to it that it was recorded in Holy Scripture. And the statement is this, when you find yourself in trouble, remember that God is our refuge and strength. Friends, we're in a season of great challenge and trouble as a faith community in these days. We understand all too intimately what the psalmist is getting at when he writes that verse. And then he goes on to describe the situation in his day in Judah in apocalyptic terms. It's as if the hills, the mountains surrounding Jerusalem 
were shaking and being tossed into the sea. It was as if the entire nation was being shaken to its very foundation. And yet, in the midst of that, he makes what I think is an astonishing statement. In verse 2, the psalmist says, we will not fear. Doesn't mean that God's people are never afraid. It does mean that we don't need to be overwhelmed by and devoured by terror with those things that are challenging and difficult for us in life, for the pains, the troubles that we bump up against. Why? Let's think about what the psalmist has written. The psalmist says, remember that God is our refuge and strength. So first of all, friends, our God is very much this. He is to us a God who is present. He's with us. He's in the midst of our troubles. Not only that, he's a God who is powerful. The word for God here is the word for God, Elohim. It's kind of a unique name for God to be used in this psalm. But the word for God, the name for God, Elohim, speaks of the fact that he is the creator God of everything that is. In other words, the God who put the planets in place is also able in the lives of his people in their time of trouble in a very present way to bring his strength, his grace, his sustaining mercy, his peace to bear in our lives when we're struggling, when we're hurt. And then he's a personal God. The Lord our God is not removed from us by 10,000 layers of clouds. The psalmist would say, remember this, he's a personal God. He's our God. He's our refuge. He's our strength. He's our help in trouble for every person who is in Christ Jesus by faith. You have made a volitional decision to yield your life to Jesus, believing that he's the eternal son of God who died and rose from the dead to set you free. You have yielded your life by a faith decision to Jesus as the only one who could forgive and lead you. Then this God, the Elohim, the God who is a very present help in trouble, he's your personal God, he's my personal God, he's our personal God. And he meets us. And particularly in those times when we find ourselves in trouble. Now, there's this psychological condition called first night effect. They give it kind of a fancy name. It just means this. If you're traveling or you're on vacation or whatever the case may be, you typically have a lousy sleep on the first night away from your house in your bed. And we would say, of course, that's common sense. Everyone sleeps better in their own home and in their own bed. But it turns out there's more to it than that. This first night effect, of course, they give an acronym to it, F-N-E, is kind of a legit thing. And this is how it works. A researcher, a psychologist at Brown University, Dr. Yuka Sasaki, he says that when we sleep in unfamiliar surroundings, we're in a strange bed. When we sleep in unfamiliar surroundings, only our right hemisphere of our brain actually sleeps. The left hemisphere is awake and kind of vigilant, kind of on guard. So this idea that you would wake up the next morning after sleeping in a place that's not your bed and kind of feel, I feel kind of tired, or worse yet, I feel like I didn't sleep at all, 
There's a good reason for it. There's an explanation. Friends, we are in a really challenging season as a faith community. We are trying to experience rest. We're trying to experience sleep at night in unfamiliar surroundings. We are trying to experience rest in the unfamiliar surroundings of overwhelming loss and sorrow. Our hearts are filled with grieving. Friends, in these days, acknowledging that the Lord our God, he's our sanctuary, he's present, he's powerful, he's personal. Let's press into him. He's a strong tower. Let's run to the Lord our God, not to try and run away from the day's challenges, but let's run to him that we might find in the Lord our God his grace and strength to know his rest, his shalom, his sustaining grace for this day, even as we find ourselves in very difficult and unfamiliar surroundings. What do we do when life is falling apart? The psalmist says, remember, God is your sanctuary. And he says, secondly, God is our source. Remember that God is your source. Look at verse 7. He writes, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the most high dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And in the Hebrew text, there's another Selah after verse 7. Think about, ponder what it is that you've just read. In those verses, the psalmist noted two powerfully unique things about the holy city, the city of Jerusalem. First of all, in the Holy of Holies, in the temple, in Jerusalem, that was the dwelling place of God. And the psalmist acknowledges that. God dwells within her. Secondly, a river ran through Jerusalem. This speaks to something that King Hezekiah, in great wisdom, did early in his reign. The holy city's water source, fresh water supply, came from outside of the city in a spring called Gihon. And obviously, in the event of an enemy siege, if they could stop up the water supply, that left the city extremely vulnerable. So Hezekiah had that spring, that stream diverted into tunnels that were carved right out of rock and into a reservoir within the walls of the city. Today, if you visit Jerusalem... You can walk through Hezekiah's tunnels. Then for the part of the stream that was outside of the city walls, the king had it disguised and hidden, camouflaged, so that the enemy could not find it. What this meant, of course, was during those fearful days of the Assyrian siege of the holy city, a life-sustaining supply of fresh water, because of Hezekiah's previous planning, continued to run through the city of Jerusalem. So two things, God dwells there. In the temple, in the holy place, the most holy place. And secondly, a river runs through the city. Now let's take those two truths and let's bring them forward into our day and how do they speak to us? Well, for starts, in the era in which we live on this side of our Lord Jesus once for all death on the cross, for the sins of the world, and his resurrection three days later, What is the temple of God? 
That's followers of Jesus by faith. We are God's temple, and we are indwelled by the Spirit of God. Every person, no exceptions, who is in faith in Christ Jesus is a temple to the Spirit of the living God. We are indwelled by the Spirit of Christ. Now, secondly, that river, that river that characterized Jerusalem, that was life-sustaining, even in the midst of an impossible situation for the people of God, listen to these words of Jesus from John 7, 38. Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. Jesus was talking about the ministry of the Spirit of God in and through the follower of Christ by faith. Friends, we who are followers of Jesus by faith, we've been transformed in Christ by the grace of God, indwelled by the Spirit of God, by the grace of God. We are daily called to yield, to surrender the leadership of our life every day to the Lord Jesus Christ. As we do so, we also choose by faith to invite the Spirit of Christ indwelling us to fill and control every part of us. And we accept the same by faith. And as we do that, the Spirit of God wells up within the follower of Jesus a river of life, of hope, of strength that not only lifts and carries us, but bursts forth to be a blessing in Jesus' mighty name to all the people that we bump into in that day. This is our calling in Christ Jesus. This is God's provision for us in the Spirit of Christ who indwells every follower of Jesus. Now in the Old Testament, I'm thinking of another guy who was a leader of God's people during days that were deeply, deeply perilous. And the guy's name was Gideon. He was a leader of God's people in very dangerous times. We know something of a story. God called Gideon and a few other helpers with him. To be raised up to confront and put the enemy to flight. But before all that happened, in Judges chapter 6 and verse 34, the word of God says this. It says, the spirit of the Lord came on Gideon. Those two words came on, that verb, fascinating word. They reflect the putting on of a garment. That's what the words literally mean. So this morning, I mean, look at all of you. You got dressed before you came to church. Great. When we put our clothes on, our clothes just actually do whatever we do. Where we go, they go. The things that we participate in, they do too. We're wearing our clothes. In that verse in Judges chapter 6, in verse 34, the Word of God is telling us that the Spirit of God put Gideon on like a suit of clothes. That's a compelling picture. As we choose this day, and each day, God willing, in the days ahead this week, as followers of Jesus by faith, who are indwelt by the Spirit of the living God. I mean, the Spirit of Christ is in us. We're His dwelling place. And that Spirit of God is a river of life flowing within and through us as we choose now 
to daily live in surrender and yieldedness to the Lord Jesus Christ, asking his Holy Spirit to fill and control us and accepting the same by faith, we find supernatural strength and enemy by the grace of God to us and through us to live with hope and to live with God's strength by his grace and even when life seems like it's falling apart. One more truth, and it's this. And it's in the last block of verses in the psalm. In verses 8 to 11, what do we do when life feels like it's falling apart? The psalmist says, remember, God is our sanctuary. God is our source. He's our source of life by his spirit indwelling us. And God is our sovereign. Verse 8. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Those are statements on the part of the psalmist that express this truth that our God reigns. Chaos does not reign in our world. Evil does not reign. Dumb luck does not reign. Our God reigns. Now, I know as a church family in these days, the sovereignty of God and the truth that God reigns is something that we're deeply contending with, and that's okay. It's okay for us to be honest with God and express to Him our questions, our concerns, the things that don't make sense to us. But the declaration of Scripture is that our God reigns. And if the former stuff reigns, that's a prescription for hopelessness. But if our God reigns, then friends... We live in hope. Now the psalmist invites us. He says, come and see. Come and see what God has done. Come and see how the truth that God reigns is evident in the world in which we live. And he begins with a past perspective. And in the verses that follow 8 and 9, those specifically describe the mighty deliverance that God had brought to Jerusalem. When the city was surrounded by the evil army of the Assyrian Empire. That was a mighty deliverance. I reflect on that and I'm reminded of this. Our Lord Jesus Christ once and for all has defeated the enemy. Amen? He is on a short leash. Waiting for an end that is inevitable. In the meantime, if you're in Christ Jesus by faith... There's not the enemy of the kingdom of darkness or any other power or principality that can pluck you from his hand. Because this is who we are in Christ Jesus by his grace to us. In him we're secure. The psalmist in reflecting on the truth that God reigns has that past perspective. There's also a prophetic perspective that is in mind here in these verses of scripture a day is coming and we believe it we believe it's imminent in other words it could happen at any time that the lord jesus christ will return and he will establish on planet earth his kingdom reign of righteousness and peace for the glory of his name and the great blessing of all his people that day is coming and it could happen at any moment and then there's a present aspect to what he's talking about this Reign of God speaks to us where you're at right now and is something that promotes hope in our hearts and peace in our hearts. So how do we walk personally? How do we own in our lives this truth that our God reigns? Verses 10 and 11. He, that's God, says, be still 
and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. To experience something of the hope-filled strength, presence, and peace of Almighty God who reigns in these days, in days of trouble. When in our hearts sometimes it feels like everything is falling apart, the psalmist says to experience more of God in that. Start with this, be still. Be still. The word conveys the idea of you drop your hands to your side. Picture someone slumping into an easy chair. We're lowering our defenses. We're choosing to be vulnerable. We're choosing intentionally to press into God. Be still. Secondly, and know, and know that the Lord is God. Reflect on some glorious aspect of his character. The psalmist, notice one, in verse 10. Is God glorious? Yes, he will be exalted among all the nations. He will be exalted in all of the earth. Such is the glory of God. So we reflect on his character, and then we're reminded that the Lord Almighty is with us. That phrase, with us, comes from a root term that is connected to the word that we get as a powerful and beautiful title for Jesus, the Messiah. And the words with us are related to the term that gives us the word Emmanuel. God with us. Our Lord Jesus Christ is God with us. And as we drop our hands to our side, as we sit back, as we ponder the glory of our God, we are reminded that our God in the incarnate Lord Jesus Christ, by the power of His Holy Spirit, He is with us this day, every moment of this day. He will be with us every day, and He will never abandon us. And this truth, as we reflect on it, reflective of the truth that our God reigns, and He brings that right down to our lives. That fills us with hope and strength to press on, even when it feels like life around us is falling apart. Thank you for joining us for our weekly message. We continue to be in a difficult season as a faith community. What do we do when life is falling apart? We need to draw on our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, whom today we were reminded that our God is our sanctuary, our source, and our sovereign. As we are all experiencing challenges and hardships, if you'd like prayer for anything, or if you'd like to learn more about how you can experience the love of God and begin a relationship with Jesus, please email help at hhhchurch.com. That's help, H-E-L-P, at H for Harvest, H for Hills, A for Alliance, Church, C-H-U-R-C-H, dot com. We'd love to talk with you and pray with you to help you experience and find the love that is available to us in and through Christ Jesus. Any support, encouragements, or resources we can offer, please reach out. Now these words from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. May God bless you as you go into the remainder of your day to be the hands, feet, and voice of Jesus.